0: Honestly, when we start here in Romans 15:14, uh, you could almost start a new chapter uh, because up until verse 13 of Romans chapter 15, he was so he was concluding his thoughts on the the stronger and the weaker brother, and the last thought that he had about that was imitate Christ, for Christ both loved the Jews and the Gentiles and and Uh, so should we, so should should we. Uh, If the Lord has received our brothers, we should also receive them. But in Romans chapter 15, verse 14, like I said, up until actually this starting point, and really you can make a case all the way to chapter 16, verse 23. Uh, There's only 27 verses in chapter 16, and then that's the end of Romans. Uh, You can put this that it's Paul talking about his continuing ministry, spreading the gospel to the Gentiles, uh, how he is establishing, you know, as Paul is, uh, just to give you a little bit of background, and it ties in beautifully with Acts. I know we're not too far from our study in Acts, but just how beautifully this ties in. Paul wrote Romans from Corinth, if you remember that. It was from Corinth, and he was just getting ready to go to Jerusalem. It was the third missionary journey. It's towards the end of Acts, and he's going to Jerusalem with a gift from the Gentile churches, and he wants to take this gift to the Jewish believers in Jerusalem, the believers in Jerusalem. So he has a gift from what he calls Achaia and Macedonia, Macedonia and Achaia, That's Greece. The northern part of Greece is Macedonia. The southern part of Greece is Achaia, where Corinth is. And so he's writing this from Corinth, and he's getting ready to go to Jerusalem. And we see what happens to Paul when he gets to Jerusalem. That is where he is imprisoned, and then he's a prisoner as he's taken to Rome. Paul's desire as he's writing Romans is to come to Rome. And his ultimate desire was to go to Spain. So as he is writing this, this is kind of the end. It's his concluding thoughts. Uh, Really the substance of Romans, the beautiful doctrine which we've seen in Romans, the beautiful application that God gives us that we should follow in our lives, being dedicated to God, that is our reasonable service. Right, And so uh, to present our bodies a, la- a living sacrifice, be dedicated to the Lord, be dedicated in his church, be dedicated to one another in the church, to be submissive in government. So he's teaching us how to live our lives as God's people. He also does it in Romans chapter 6. Um, there's a lot of places where there's practical application, but now here's the end. And so he's really, he is explaining to this Roman church His desire to plant Gentile churches. Remember, Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles. It wasn't so much his desire, it was, but it was also his apostolic charge. Jesus had charged Paul and his apostleship to go preaching to the Gentiles. And so Paul is going to bring this up, starting in verse 14. And we may get to, we hope to get to verse 21 But there's really, there's some divisions that we can look at up until chapter 16. Uh, First of all, the goal of Paul's mission. And we're going to see that in verses 14 through 21. The reason Paul's desire was to visit Rome in verse 22 through 29. The context for prayer regarding Paul's Jerusalem visit is in verse 30 through 33. And then in chapter 16, Paul is concluding the letter, and he's commending his fellow laborers in the work, uh, Phoebe and, and Priscilla and Quilla and all of those. Now, do you remember at the end of Acts um, that when he had come up on the coast of, remember, he went through the ships, he, he had went through that storm as a prisoner on, on the boat, and they had that big hurricane, and then they wash up, and there they are, uh, Melita, and then from there they went up into, uh, they finally end up near Rome, and then who comes out to greet him but his brothers and sisters in Christ, and that is who he's writing to right now, are are the folks here at the church. So he is commending them, and he is, uh, that's what it says by uh, the end, uh, actually, look at chapter 15, verse 32. He says that I may come unto you with joy by the will of God, and may, be, and may with you be refreshed. And if you look at the end of Acts, that is exactly where Paul is. Right, right before Paul uh, goes into Nero's palace, uh, the church members of Rome come out to greet him, and he's refreshed through them. All right, so let's start at verse 14. Romans chapter 15, And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written the more boldly unto you in some sort, as putting you in mind, because of the grace that is given to me of God, that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, "...ministering the gospel of God, that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. I have therefore, whereof I may glory through Jesus Christ in those things which pertain to God. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ hath not wrought by me, to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed, Uh, through mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that... From Jerusalem and round about into Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Yea, so have I strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. But as it is written, to whom he was not spoken of, they shall see, and they that have not heard shall understand. And uh, for which cause also I have been hindered from coming, to you, and so he starts the new thought in Romans 15, uh, verse 22, of the reason that Paul desired to come see them in Rome. But before we get to that, verse again 14 through 21 was the goal of Paul's mission. It's and this whole section is the continuing work of Paul. So this. Verse 14, when he says, And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. Paul is not flattering them. This is not a, a, you know, Paul's not saying this and doesn't mean it. Or he's not trying to build them up or, or give them flattery. But he's, it's called the Courtesy. It is something that Paul absolutely knows that is true about the Holy Spirit. And now look, look at the three things that he describes of them. First of all, in verse 14, they're full of goodness. Now, what is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit? It's Goodness. So he's not talking about men's nature being good. He knows that when, if you're saved, the Holy Spirit's working within you to produce fruits within you. It's producing goodness in you. And so you are full of goodness and filled with knowledge. That's the second thing. Not every sort of knowledge, but spiritual knowledge relating to God. His nature, the perfection. So it's not talking about just uh, worldly wisdom. It's talking about spiritual wisdom. And you have to have those two in order for the third thing to be true. In verse 14, you're able also to admonish one another. Now, admonishing is a gentle warning or it's a caution. You're cautioning someone. And in order to do that spiritually, in order to do that in love, in order to be able to admonish one another, you have to be filled with goodness and filled with knowledge. Too many people, too many church members, we see this all the time. There's strife, there's contention, and, and they'll go about to admonish one another, but they don't have the fruits of the Spirit that's working in them, or they don't have the knowledge to, to, to say what they're saying. But what gives us the ability to admonish one another? Well, it must be the fruits of the Spirit, full of goodness, and being filled with knowledge. So, verse 14, Paul's confident of that. Now, to every person, maybe not, but it's a general admonition. He's persuaded of them. Now, remember what he's just coming off of. He's coming off that that division that may be there between the weaker and the stronger, between those who feel like they need to observe the dietary laws of the the Jews or the the customs and the days versus those who have liberty who do not feel that they need to do those things. He addresses both of them that whatever you do, do all that you do to the glory of God, the edification toward one another. The goal is not your liberty. The goal is not your entitlement or the the goal is not your ease of conscience. The goal is the glory of God. And if we all have that same common uh, purpose and goal in mind that we lift up the Lord, that who all may see him, that's the purpose of the church, to be the light on the hill. Uh, we need to be in unity, be in one accord, one heart, one mind, moving forward. And so that's the ultimate purpose. And so uh, just as Christ has forgiven us and is, is patient with us, compassionate with us, so we also need to be with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so coming off of that, that is when he hits verse 14. That's when he brings us up about them. So they're qualified. They're able to admonish one another. You know, we shouldn't need an apostle writing our church every other week. You know, we should be able to, that's what independent Baptist churches, the Lord's churches are independent. We don't have headquarters coming down and, and bringing in uh, church police and you know doing this. We are self-governing. We're democratic, and that has always been the design, and that's always been the blueprint of one of the Lord's churches. Is we always see that it's self-governing with Christ as its head, and so uh, we should be able to admonish one another gently, warn. Verse 15, nevertheless, even though they do have this qualification, Paul brings up, nevertheless, brethren, I have written the more boldly unto you in some sort, what that means in some parts, as putting you in mind, which means causing you to remember, reminding you, because of the grace that is given to me of God. Paul here, so in spite of their qualifications, Paul is writing to them to remember certain things. Uh, What it is, is he is reminding them to remember truths that you already know. Now, in verse 15, he's writing openly, and in some parts, and causing you to remember. Now, that end of that verse, Now, he could be talking about the entire letter of Romans, where he could be talking just about what he had just talked about the subject of the brother, the weaker and stronger brother. But at the end of verse 15, is a very um, popular phrase that Paul uses when he's talking about his apostolic authority. He always says that because of the grace that is given to me, Paul considered his apostleship a grace of God that was given to him. Uh, look at chapter 1 verse 5 and we'll see this pop up in other books as well in Romans chapter 1 verse 5 he says by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name and also in chapter 12 verse 3 he brings up the grace that had been given unto him and his apostleship. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. So as the apostle to the Gentiles, as one of the Lord's apostles, his chosen apostles, uh, through the grace given to me. That's another way of putting that. In Galatians 2.9, you don't have to turn there, he brings this up. He says, when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, and we know they were apostles, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship that we should go unto the heathen and they unto the circumcision. And so Paul will bring up his, his apostolic role in verse 15. So, he's putting them in remembrance of his role, the, the charge which Paul is charging them with, the authority which, which God had given, when we know that, that the Lord had given uh, the Holy Spirit to the apostles to write uh, the New Testament and to write all the words which he revealed to them. Verse 16, that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. Now this is some interesting things that are going on in verse 16. Um, He says that his apostleship, his calling that Jesus had put upon him was to go unto the Gentiles, was to preach Jesus Christ unto the Gentiles. That was his calling. It wasn't my calling. It wasn't your calling. It it was his specific calling that God had given him to do that. Um, Now, ministering is in verse 16. You see the word minister a couple times. That word minister, that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering. That's a different Greek word. That word ministering is a combination of two different Greek words one is herion which means the temple every time heron is used 71 times it is temple and ergon means work so ministering is both these words put together which it means temple work it's interesting how paul is using the figure of the the work which the priest did as the work which God had given him to do. And there's a comparison in Numbers, in Numbers chapter 8, Aaron had sanctified the Levites and offered them up to God. In this figure, Paul has sanctified the Gentiles and is offering them up to God. And that's here at the end of verse 16 that they might be acceptable being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. Now in the sacrifices, they would always wash the sacrifices. And what does the Holy Spirit do? Well, what is that just a picture of? The washing. It is the washing which the Holy, the Holy Spirit does. The washing of regeneration. So Paul is using the, the comparison, and I think it's a beautiful figure, in which that he is saying that just like Aaron was the priest and offered up the uh, the Levites up to the sacrifice of God, to be pleasing the God. That is what God, uh, Paul has been called to do with the Gentiles. And so the emphasis, though, is on Paul's apostolic ministry. He's talking about his ministry. It's not, I mean, of course, the that we can see that the Gentiles have been received and uh, the, the, the grace has been extended to the Gentiles, but... Paul more is emphasizing what God has called him to do at the end of this letter. So, uh, Peter, we see, has a very similar ministry which Jesus gave him, but it was to the Jews. So, in verse 17, I have therefore whereof I may glory through Jesus Christ and those things which pertain to God. It's not lost on Paul. What a beautiful calling this is. What an awesome grace that God has given him. Uh, Considering that Paul often thinks about who he was before the Lord saved him. You know, he was a persecutor of the Lord's church. And and all the things which he did were contrary to the Lord's church and caused God's people to, to blaspheme against him. And it's not lost on him, this grace which God has bestowed upon him. Now, we know that it comes with some very heavy physical uh, consequence and cost to Paul. But, and that's what Jesus says. I must show him many things he must suffer for my name's sake. But in verse 17, he says, you know, there are many things which I can glory. And that means boast. Through Jesus Christ. There's where you have to be careful. No one should boast in themselves of what they do in the ministry. It's all a gift of God. If if it is of the Lord, and it's, you know, that's something that uh, ministers or preachers or pastors, uh, they need many of them. And you know, it's a temptation of the flesh to think that it's some kind of quality of theirs that, you know, they'll they'll see God bringing blessings. But just like Paul said, he glories through what Jesus is doing. Jesus has brought the Gentiles to himself. It wasn't Paul. Paul just obeyed what the Lord told him to go do and told him to say. And that's what he did. And the results were the Lord's. But he is glorying, he's boasting, look what the Lord has done. And I should be so honored and privileged and what a grace that God would use me just a little bit. I mean... He saved me. That's that's amazing in of itself. But now he's using me to further the kingdom upon earth. And he's using me to, I mean, so it wasn't lost on Paul. Neither should it be lost on us that uh, God has equipped us. We should be careful to give glory to God for the equipment he's given and how God uses it and how God gives the results. And so that's what he does here. He says, I have therefore whereof I may glory through Jesus Christ in those things which pertain to God. So that therefore at the beginning of verse 17 is actually coming back to the connecting to the previous verse of him, you know, given the figure of Aaron the priest and sanctifying the Levites as a sacrifice and then but him being the, the priest, not a figure, A figure, uh, him being the priest, offering up the sacrifice of the Gentiles to be pleasing, and the washing of regeneration. Uh, So that is what he's saying, that therefore, that he is bringing up, but he's giving what it is, it's a special terminology, the way he says it, it's a worship. It's a worship of what Christ has done. It's a worship, and you know, and so many times we see churches do this, and they'll, uh, they'll get on there, and you know everything's social media, everything's out there, everything's open, and they'll say, well, we, we baptized 50 people this week, 60 people this week, and every week they'll baptize 60 people, 60 people, 60 people, and, and it, it is a bit of a boast, but uh, you get the vibe they're not boasting on the Lord, they're boasting on their efforts. You know them doing all the work them doing all these things and and a lot of that those so-called professions are Um, you know I want to be careful I mean what I say but you know having seen some of it myself it was very strong arm sales technique kind of thing and that's in of itself wicked Uh, you shouldn't deceive you know that's what Jesus said is don't offend one of these little ones well if you give them a false sense of salvation I think that's the biggest offense, that you could ever offend a little one. And so, um, you know, I think it's playing, it's a dangerous thing um, to not wait and see some of the fruit for that confession they have, the profession they have, and, and kind of vet it A little bit and see if they still feel the same way the next week and the next week and be careful now we can't look and see if they're saved or not we can't tell which ones are genuine or not but typically as an an adult you can kind of tell when a child what what's kind of going on there but Paul is careful and again you know he's seeing results all over the place of the ministry and we know that at that time that's when Jesus was swooping in and uh, like we saw earlier in Romans the pendulum has kinda of went to the Gentiles the Lord is solving serving in bulk his elect uh, from amongst the Gentiles until the fullness of the Gentiles come in and so uh, Paul is at the cusp of that at the very beginning and so was the early church so The note is, I mean, it's all right to glory in the Lord for the manner in which he uses you, but it is not all right to glory in your own abilities. They're the gift of God. So in verse 18, he brings this up. He brings up his humility. He's careful. Verse 18, For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ Christ hath not wrought by me to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed. So that word for, he's con- he is continuing from verse four. Whenever you see for, you can just say because. <laughs> Most of the time, it's a because. Uh, he says because I will not dare speak uh, of any of those. I'm not going to boast about those things which uh, Christ has done um, outside of me, as if I did them. Uh, to make the Gentiles obedient. It wasn't Paul who made the Gentiles obedient. And that obedience is obedience unto faith. And we saw that in chapter 1, verse 5. Same verse we just saw a minute ago where it talked about Paul's uh, grace of his apostleship. It says, By whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations and the Gentile nations. So he's talking about the Gentiles' obedience unto faith and so he would only boast on things that christ had accomplished through him Uh, the spotlight was not on paul but on christ and on the ministry which jesus gave paul Um, the so we see uh, the obedience of faith we talked about that in uh, 16 chapter 16 verse 26 but now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. And so we see that in Acts as the God has extended his mercy to the Gentiles. Uh, and those, That ignorance that was in the past, he winks at, now he commands all men everywhere to repent. And that's a command. And the obedience to that command is faith. So you must be obedient in faith. But we know it takes the power of God to do that. So, and that's what he talks about in the next verse. Verse 19 talks about the power. So, through mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about unto Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. So when he's talking about these, he's talking about now Illyricum, is at the northwest port of Greece. And then Jerusalem is down here. So think of northwest and then uh, southeast being, you know, two polar opposites. So Paul had gotten as far at this point to the northwest point of Greece, the very tip to the, the left-hand side, all the way down to Jerusalem. And that's what he's talking about, that he has, by the power of the spirit of god in verse 19 from jerusalem and roundabout into illyricum he has fully preached the gospel of christ now a couple of things that we know that paul had done that he used signs and wonders paul doesn't talk a lot about in his own pen his own the own signs and wonders which he did typically it's written about paul what paul had done like luke had written about paul raising Uh, from the dead or or the snake bite or, you know, the things that we see. We know Paul had many gifts of the Holy Spirit. We don't know what all the gifts were, but he had uh, preached to the amazement, but all the signs, they were clear. They had a clear message. They They all pointed to Christ, to salvation. They all were an announcement, a declaration that the gospel which they preached was confirmed and validated by God with accompanying miracle signs and wonders. We, we know uh, that back then they, that God had a purpose to equip them with signs and amazement of the Gentiles uh, to validate their claim of the gospel. So those are the mighty signs and wonders by the Spirit of God and must be given by God. Uh, anything else is pretending, and we see all kinds of pretending out there nowadays, but uh, nothing is of the Holy Spirit a lot of people just work themselves up in a frenzy and uh, Do all kinds of strange things and and don't disregard the you know not to get into it too much, but the 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 strange phenomenon which even Satan can work and signs and wonders and things of that through through people so uh, That's what the Word of God warns us to do is to be able to discern which spirits they are but as far as accompanying the Lord's message, those signs have ceased. There's no need. We have the complete Word of God. And, but Paul's ministry had extended through there. Now, did he mean to say that he fully preached the gospel of Christ to every single person? And that 1,000 miles is Illyricum's area down to Jerusalem, there's about 1,000 miles. Does that mean he preached to every single person? That's not what he's saying. And we see this pattern that Paul does is he tends to go to larger cities. Uh, When he goes, he's going for church planting. Paul was the missionary to the Gentiles and his goal was to plant churches where Christ had not been named. And actually that's what he says in verse 20. Yea, so have I stirred to preach the gospel not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. So where Christ... Had not been named what that means is confessed where there's not people confessing the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior in that area that that is not where he's going he was a pioneer missionary he went into new areas and he planted churches and he typically went to bigger cities that we've seen like Philippi and Thessalonica and and Corinth and and so we see these bigger cities that he goes to Ephesus And then what happens is once the the people are there, once the church grows, then they will go out and they'll evangelize the areas around. And so that is kind of the thrust of what Paul is getting into in verse 20. So he's giving them, you know, what he did in his ministry up until this point. And he says in verse 21, But as it is written, to whom he was not spoken of, They shall see, and they that have not heard shall understand. Now, this is a passage in the Old Testament, which Paul quotes. It's Isaiah 52, 15. You don't have to turn there, but it says in Isaiah 52, 15, that so shall he sprinkle many nations, the kings shall shut their mouths at him, for that which had not been told them shall they see, and that which they had not heard shall they consider. Paul wanted to be the human instrument in fulfilling this prophecy, and he was. The Lord was using Paul as the human instrument to fulfill Isaiah 52, 15, going out into the Gentiles. The Lord's extending mercy to him, so he's sending Paul, his apostle, to go out. And, you know, I imagine Paul probably focused on this verse a lot in Isaiah. He knew the the Old Testament. He knew the prophets. Little did he know, at one point, he'd be like, I'm fulfilling this prophecy right now. The Lord's using me to do this. What a mighty work the Lord's doing. That was Paul's calling. And, you know, our purposes, we know that God's purposes and his plans will come to pass. God is calling on people to fulfill his purposes and his plans. He called on Paul with a special call. All of us are being being called to do special things in our special way. God's equipped us somehow to contribute uh, to the ministry or to the work, to the Lord's work, to the church. And, you know, the Lord has saved us. And it goes all the way back to Romans chapter 12, verse 1, is let us present our bodies as a living sacrifice. You know, let us be willing, let us be able, let us be present and willing to serve the Lord and however which way he has called you to serve. And Paul, uh, he had such joy. And I believe that is really the thrust of this to verse 21 because he's getting ready to get into the reason he's desiring to go to Rome. But I always thought it was just an interesting little excerpt that Paul slows down, and he explains to them why he's the, the, why he's the apostle to the Gentiles, what God has done. And as he's wrapping up this letter to the Romans, uh, that how God has extended the mercy, and I believe that he's just filled with all joy. He's bragging on the Lord and what the Lord has done, and he's in awe that God has chosen him To be a part at all of the lord's work and i think uh with the right attitude that should be our attitude just to be in all that god would use us at all and to figure out to present ourselves ready to be used for the master in any way he calls you to do all right let's pray heavenly father we thank you lord for this time again thank you lord for your the study of your word Father, may we just grow by it. May we be always humble of heart and ready to serve. Father, for you have saved us and called us into yourself. And Lord, may we just in this church just continue to glorify you, to present you, the, to, not be, to not compromise your truth, Father, but to be all bold as we speak. And Father, we, we pray, Lord, that you'll just... Uh, Be with each one who will hear your words today, that they'll penetrate their hearts and their lives. In Jesus' name, amen.